Now, this overcoming faith will enable you to keep yourself. It will work in your soul and in your life a preserving ministry whereby you will press on. And then also in verse 18, this overcoming faith will keep you from the devil. And that wicked one toucheth him not. So it's overcoming faith. I overcome myself. I overcome the devil. And then in verse 19, overcoming the world that lies in wickedness. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and today we turn again to this wonderful chapter of John 5, Faith That Overcomes the World. We have to put it that way because there is there are so many spurious kinds of faith. You may meet people who say, oh yes, I believe. That means when they read of history, AD 33, that There was a man called Jesus that died upon the cross, that the Romans actually did those kind of things, and that that was real history. There was a Caesar Augustus. There was the city of Jerusalem. There was a north gate. There were a place called Golgotha. And the history, the geography, the archaeology, all of that adds up. And they say, "I I believe the facts. I believe the details. But saving faith is something much more. It is a miracle of the heart whereby we have and receive the Lord to live within our souls. It is the new birth, regeneration. Faith in the Son of God is to receive him. It is the empty hand reaching out to receive the Lord Jesus into your heart and into your life so that you are now a new person. You no longer love sin. You no longer want to live for self and pleasure, but you truly want to please God. And this is the faith that overcomes the world. It starts from within. You can't change the world, but you can change your heart. And that's what the gospel does. Stay tuned today as we come to this message in 1 John chapter 5, Faith That Overcomes the World. And of course, we all fall very far short of perfection. And we're to be in the business of restoring. The Apostle Paul called himself a nurse. That was his heart. He was obviously a mature man. He was a man who was bold, fiery, and had the truth burning in his heart. But there were many that he ministered to that were like the Corinthians, unable to receive strong meat. They were still on the milk. And we need that pastor's heart. We need that caring spirit. Remember the story of John, how that 
young man that fell away from the church, how he learned of him and he got a horse and a guide and he rode up into the mountains. He sought out that robber's den. He had the sentinels take them to their leader and he saw that young man walk away from John and said, John, John said, why do you fear me, an old man? And he pleaded with that young man to give up his life of sin and of prodigality. And he brought him back personally, ministered to him, and sought to rebuild a life. That's the heart of the apostle John. And of course, our Lord Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. That's the proof, because you have a heart that cares and ministers to the needy. Now, moving on here in this chapter, and I can't preach everything in the chapter, but we're going to move on a little bit down to verse 13. Overcoming faith is based on truth, on hard facts. Our faith is not a blind faith. It's not a faith without knowledge. It's not a faith that is a leap in the dark, but rather it is founded on hard facts. And facts are stubborn things. And you'll notice in uh, chapter 5, 13, I need to get back there. You will see in 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. These things have I written. Now, what are these things? What are these hard facts upon which we build our faith? Well, if you go back to verse 8, you have the fact of the Spirit. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and you'll notice in verse 6 that the Spirit is referred to. It is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. He is truth. The Holy Spirit never cuts against truth. And He always agrees with Scripture. And if you're a young Christian here tonight, learn the fact that the witness of the Holy Spirit is always in full agreement with the Bible. The Spirit of God will never lead you contrary to the written record of God's Word. He cannot lie. And the Bible is the Spirit's default position. And no matter what the experience or the supposed miracle or wonder that is presented, the Holy Spirit's ministry always agrees with the written Word. These things are written, John says. And you'll see that in verse 13. These things have I written. And then he goes on to talk about the record. And then back in verse 8, there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit. And then he moves on in verse 8 to the water. Now here is the fact that the Lord Jesus really died. This cannot be the water of baptism because not everyone that's baptized is born again. Uh, we do not believe in baptismal regeneration. We do not believe that because uh, in some ceremony 
a person is baptized, whatever the mold is, whatever the amount of water that is used, that a person is brought to faith by water. No, this is a reference to the death of our Lord Jesus. And it's the water that flowed from the Savior's side when he was pierced by that spear. And you know the record that out of his side came both blood and water. The water is the evidence that our Lord Jesus truly died. He didn't just suffer on the cross. He died. He suffered unto death. It was a sacrifice where he laid down his life and offered up himself unto God the Father. And that water testified the fact that Jesus truly died. And so we have this fact, the fact of the Spirit, the fact of the water, and then also in verse 8 you have the fact of the blood that Jesus really pardons. And our faith is in the blood atonement, the blood substitutionary sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. And so our faith is not in mythology, it's not in myth, it's not in some theory, but it is in the reality of God sending his son and that son going to the cross. He laid down his life, he shed his blood, and all of these things are recorded for our faith. You look at verse 11, and this is the record. And here is the fact that is really accurate. That's Bible Christianity. And this is the, the fundamental battle for the written Word of God that is inspired and infallible. Now in this verse 11, the word record is the same word for martyr. And the martyrs laid down their lives for what they believed because it was true. They were willing to yield their life for what they believed. It was absolutely certain. And then in verse 13, you have this classic text of the believer's assurance of faith in the Lord Jesus. And in all of Scripture, there is no more direct promise or declaration for our faith than John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may know, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, in verse 14, and this is the confidence. And you can see that this is all about assurance. It's all about building us up in the faith. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Now, here's another point on the assurance of salvation, that this faith leads you to prayer. It leads you to ask. It leads you to seek the blessing and the saving grace of the Lord Jesus. And to be saved, you must, of course, call upon the name of the Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, 
shall be saved. And that's what faith in the good news of the gospel does in hearts. I hope it has happened in your heart. And I trust you have this blessed assurance, this absolute conviction that you are in Christ and saved by his grace. Now the chapter closes, and therefore the book closes, with overcoming faith that keeps us from false worship. And we go now to verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. Now this overcoming faith will enable you to keep yourself. It will work in your soul and in your life a preserving ministry whereby you will press on. And then also in verse 18, this overcoming faith will keep you from the devil and that wicked one toucheth him not. So it's overcoming faith. I overcome myself. I overcome the devil. And then in verse 19, overcoming the world that lies in wickedness. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Now just think of that term that is used there, lieth in wickedness. This is like the sow that wallows in the mire. I saw a clip this week on some YouTube video of a dog, and it was a hot, hot day, and there was a large puddle of water, muddy water, and that kind of a, wasn't a Labrador, I think it was a similar breed, about the same size of dog, lots of hair, and it just lay down in the puddle and rolled over in the mud, and it just stood up dripping of all the uh, filth that was in that mud. And John says the whole world lieth in wickedness. What a description for the world that we're living in. Takes delight. It just lies. It surrenders gladly to the filth of this world, but not the Christian, because we're told, and we know that we are of God. And verse 20, and we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us eternal life. Now, we need no more proof that the world lieth in wickedness than their obsession with idols. You'll see in verse 21, it, the book closes with this command. Little children, keep yourself from idols. And religious people in Canada and around the world are idolaters. Even atheists are idolaters. They idolize money. They idolize material things. They put their trust in it. They put their hope in it. Some idolize success and business. And of course, many have actual icons and idols that they bow down to or trust in. Or they might have in their car those little St. Christopher's, the, the saint for travelers. Or they might have a little Mary, or I saw at a doorstep this week, a Buddha. 
And these are the idols of the world. But for the person that is born of God, we will be overcomers even of those idols of the world. We don't allow them to be our masters. We use the world. We use money. We live in homes. We drive a car. But they don't master us. They don't rule our minds and our decisions, our wants and our desires. But rather we live free from those very things. And it comes back to faith. Faith in our Lord Jesus. And if your eyes are upon the Lord, if you're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, if you're trusting in him completely, then you will be an overcomer over every one of these idols. And of course, we will have true partnership with the Father and with the Son. This is our blessedness. This is our joy. And I'm going to take you back where we started in this book in chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. The joy of the world won't last. The joy that people find in idols is false. But we can truly say tonight there is real joy in knowing and serving the Lord Jesus. And it grows and grows. It's not something that we squander and it's here today and it's gone next week. It grows and grows and abounds and will never fail us. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And of course, when we see Christ, when we are with Christ, we shall enter into that fullest experience of everlasting joy. That's our Christianity. That's our faith. That's what makes us overcomers in this world, even our faith. Let's pray that the Lord will work that in us tonight and stir our hearts more and more. Our Father, we thank Thee for these precious truths that we have gleaned from this 1 John 5. We thank Thee for faith, the gift of faith, this ability to trust in the Lord Jesus, to turn from every other thing that is phony and temporary and false, and that we can trust the ever-living one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy of our faith. And we ask tonight that you will make us overcomers more and more, that we will overcome ourselves, that we will overcome our own uh, foolish, carnal natures, and that we will put on the Spirit of God, and be changed more and more into the image of the Lord. We also pray that we'll be overcomers over the devil. We know that he's a roaring lion. He's going about seeking to destroy whom he can. Lord, keep us by your Spirit, by faith, from surrendering to the devil. And then, Lord, keep us from idols. 
we confess that all around us in this world, men and women, young people are idolaters, whether it's the Hollywood, the music world, the material things. Lord, thou hast called us to continue to trust and to look unto the Lord as our Savior. And so we pray for your grace even in the week to come and that we will, be, we will get the victory more and more by looking, trusting, and resting in the Lord Jesus. Oh, hear us, we pray, and minister on to us. to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher and calling all Canadians back to the In Canada, a person cannot be legally charged and tried twice for committing the one crime. This is the law of no double jeopardy. So when a person has paid for this crime, whether it be a fine or prison sentence, once that penalty is served, there is no more charge against him. Did you know that in the Bible, God gave that assurance in the worst of sinners who had offended him? In Ezekiel chapter 18, God firstly let it out that a son or daughter is not guilty of a father or sins. Each person bears the guilt of their own deeds. Here's the text in Ezekiel 20 verse 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Did you get that? The crime committed by a parent is not chargeable against a son or daughter. That surely is a good thing. There wouldn't be enough jails to house all the families whose parents have been sent to jail for their own crimes. What this means, though, is that each one is personally responsible for his or her own sin. We are Canadians, and we are citizens of this country, but we do not bear the guilt and condemnation of others who live wickedly before God and men. Everyone shall bear 
his own iniquity. But it does mean that we will give account for our own crimes before men and before God. God says in the same chapter of Ezekiel, verse 26, For his iniquity that he hath done shall he die. That should make us all sit up. We will answer to the sins we ourselves commit. We are personally accountable to God for our very thoughts, words, and deeds. The Lord Jesus said so. In Matthew twelve thirty six. he said, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. But in this same chapter in Ezekiel, there is the good news for all who see their guilt, confess their wrongdoing, and turn away from it. Hear the words of verse 28. Because he considereth and turneth away from all his transgressions that he hath committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. God will judge, but he will also forgive. He says that he delights in mercy. In the final verse of the chapter, God said, For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. This is our God. He hates sin. He will always judge sin, but he also delights in mercy. He will pardon us when we repent and turn to him. This is the God of the gospel. This is the God who sent his son to Calvary to take our sins in his own body as our substitute. The gospel is the good news that God gives sinners repentance over their horrible sins. He gives them faith in the crosswork of his Son and pardons sinners from all their sin. Then there is the icing on the cake, if you will. There is the law of no more mention. When God forgives, there is no digging up the past. There is no double jeopardy. Hear the Lord's word in Ezekiel 18.22. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. When God forgives, he truly forgets. He casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, forgiven and forgotten. That so the pardoned soul can sing, My sins are gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. My, my soul is free, and in my heart is a song. Buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. I shall live eternally. Praise God. My sins are gone. Let me invite you to put your faith in Lord Jesus. Let me invite you to confess all your sins, putting them under the cleansing blood of Jesus. And God promises that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's First John. You can go to that verse, pray over it. Cry to God that he will be faithful, and he is faithful. He will forgive. May the Lord in mercy and save your soul. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. Located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services, 
that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.